Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. So you have set the land before you go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, Notice, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them and their descendants after them. And I love this because God is now rehashing history now to Moses, and and Moses is giving it to the children of Israel, and he's reminding them of the promises that God had made all the way back to Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis chapter 12. And this is important because these, no one has claim to the land of Israel except the Jews. It belongs to God. God gave it to them. It belongs to them. It doesn't belong to anyone else in the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Truth in Christ. Today, Pastor Rob teaches us how the book of Deuteronomy is a reminder to God's people through Moses about how he gave them the land they possess. The Bible is clear that God owns this land and gave it to the nation of Israel to possess. Although we see in the world today many attempts to give parts of Israel away, we know that it will not be possessed by anyone other than the nation of Israel. It belongs to Israel, and God will see to that. Here's Pastor Rob with today's message. So if you think about it, God had the throttle on their whole existence through that desert. And at night, when that pillar of fire was there, it it just stood stationary until he wanted them to move. And why did he want them to move? Because there were things that they had no clue about, enemies around them that they had no idea about. And God's saying, you know what, now is the time to move. And he would move, and all they had to do was simple obedience and follow him right? But he knew their heart, and that's why it took 40 years. He couldn't give them the promise that he wanted to give them while they were still in this attitude of unbelief and rebellion. God wanted to make sure that they were ready for it. There's about 150 miles between these two points that we just showed you on the screen, and it should have only taken them about two weeks after leaving Egypt to get into the promised land. So they needed preparation I love what it says in James chapter 1, verse 17. We looked at it this last Sunday. It says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and come down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. A gift that God wants to give. Remember we talked about it a couple Sundays ago. My daughter asked me, Daddy, if I asked the Lord to give me a 400-pound chocolate bar, would he give it to me? And I'm like, yes, your mother would love that because she would... She would be gnawing on it just like you. No, he wouldn't. He couldn't give it to her because he knew that she would just indulge in it and get sick. See, that's, it's not a good and perfect gift then, is it? Because God knows my heart. If he gives me something I'm lusting after and I consume it on my own lust, what does that accomplish? Nothing. It, it, it's a temptation. 
And the, the promised land would have been a temptation for them had God not tempered them like fire, like silver in a furnace for that 40 years. They had to be purified. They had to be, they had to, the heat had to turn up for all that dross to come to the surface and God could skim it off the top and says, you know, you're not quite ready. You got so much anger, so much rebellion in your heart and I'm going to allow circumstances that are going to provoke you. I'm going to allow it. I'm just going to let, the, let your flesh do it because I'm not going to intervene until you're ready and I'm going to woo you until then. I'm going to be trying to draw you close to me. Right? And isn't that what God wants to do? He wants to draw us close to him. And yet we resist him sometimes. And he's like, I've got to turn up the heat a little bit. It's going to hurt a little bit. But in the end, you're going to go into the promised land. And when I give you that good and perfect gift, you're going to be ready for it. And it's not going to be a temptation. It's going to be the greatest blessing. That's why for those of you who are um, courting or are about to get married, stay pure until the day of your marriage. It's a good and perfect gift that God wants to give you when you walk on that. And, I, and I've seen it uh, here more than a couple times. And it's a really sweet thing when both of these young people walk down and they're both virgins. And they've only held hands, maybe pecked each other on the lip once or twice, but they've kept it, you know, quick and short and, you know. But you know what I'm saying? And the blessing, the blessing of being able to go into that day knowing that they've been pure before God, I tell you what, there's no greater thing to witness as a church when two young people are doing that. It is so wonderful. And it's a good and it's a perfect gift. The promised land was a good and perfect gift, but it needed time. They needed time. God knew it. And so he was the governor. He was the one with the accelerator and the brake. And he was going, now I want you to move. There's something you don't understand, but just trust me. Follow me and go. And then they would go. And then he would, then he had to put on the brakes and say, what's, what's all this noise down here? What are you guys doing? Why are you doing this with Moses? Why are you acting like you're something? And I put Moses in charge and he's my man. And why are you rebelling against him? We got to deal with that right now. Because it's not going to get any better once you get comfortable in the promised land. We've got to deal with this out here now. Do you ever feel like you're in the wilderness? And God's dealing with you about something? We've all been in the wilderness. We don't like the wilderness. It's not comfortable. But God uses the wilderness to speak peaceably to us. Because he loves us. He wants to get you out there to speak peaceably to you. Not to hurt you, not to harm you. See, they were responsible for their actions. They could have, this whole thing could have been so much different. Just like in Jeremiah, this whole thing could have been so much different. They could have just listened. Zedekiah could have just listened to Jeremiah that God had given him the word. Just, you guys stay put, don't leave. Everything will be fine. If you rebel, you're going to lose everything. But they would not. The tragedy of every human being. (laughs) We just, we don't listen. So how important is it to hear, O Israel, hear with the sense of doing, hear, O church, what God, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 3, it says, Now it came to pass in the 40th year, in the 11th month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spoke to the children of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him as commandments to them. Now it's interesting, this is the, one of the, first, the first time we see in this book anyway, where we have a time reference. And I want you to, to look at that. There in verse 3, it says, on the first day of the, I'm sorry, in the 40th year, they're coming to an end. The 40th year, the 11th month, the 11th month on the first day of the month. Turn with me now to Numbers chapter 33. I want you to show you something. 
Numbers 33, we're going to look at verse 38. And this is another place. There, there are a couple other time references in here, but I want you to get the, the feel of how close of proximity it is. Aaron, prior to going into, uh, before Moses and uh, was going to lead them, or was going to share with them, you know, sharing with them the, the book of Deuteronomy, before that, in verse 38, let me just read it to you. It says, Then Aaron the priest went up to Mount Hor at the command of the Lord and died there in the 40th year after the children of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt on the first day of the fifth month. So it's the 40th year, the fifth month on the first day. So what does that mean? It means from this moment when Aaron died, he died on this mountain right here, right up here, where that little red dot is up there, Mount Hor. That's where Aaron died. And it was exactly six months to the day after that that we get into this area right here in chapter 3. Six months to the day. After Aaron had passed from the scene, now Moses is there. And it says, verse 4, After he had killed Sihon, king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who dwelt in, uh, at Ashtaroth in Edrei, and these are, we're going to be, we're not going to go into numbers and look at these two kings. There's a quite a bit of information. Remember, Deuteronomy is a summary of things that we have already heard. So if you want the full story, you've got to go back into numbers, uh, 21, verses 21 through 26, and then uh, 20, numbers 21, 33 through 35, to get more information about what happened to Sion, king of, um, or, or I'm sorry, the, Sion, king of the Amorites, and Og, the king of Bashan. But good for you, because in a couple weeks, we're going to be in chapters 2 and 3, and it's going to give us the full story again. So we're going to read about that again. But these guys were right up in this area right here. Sorry about the, uh, the screen is not so good, but Heshbon, remember, this is the Dead Sea, the northern part of the Dead Sea. Israel would be right over in this area over here, but Heshbon is over here. So Israel... Before they go into the promised land under the leadership of Moses, they kill this king and take over all this land right in here and, and also up here to Edrei, which was uh, king, uh, uh, the king of uh, Og, the king of Bashan, because Bashan is a mountain range over here. And so Edrei is where the battle occurred. So Israel conquered all this land right here east of the Jordan River. And ultimately that was going to be where two and a half tribes were going to take up their residence, right? Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh. They were going to take over that area. So verse 5, On this side of the Jordan, in the land of Moab, and that's Moses began to explain this law. And here he goes. He goes, The Lord our God spoke to us in Horeb, meaning down there in that little V shape there in the uh, Sinai Peninsula, saying, You have dwelt long enough at this mountain, and God knows when it's time to move. I think all of us were a little bit taken aback when Pastor Jeff, I remember it so clearly, and, and, and I'm not saying this in a, in a mean way at all, but I, I, this is just how the Lord works sometimes. He had it in his heart, if you remember. One Sunday he shared with us, in about two years, you know, we're going we're gonna to start to, and he was going to prepare, you know, and wait and see what the Lord was going to do, who he was going to raise up, all that, and he was just going to, you know, take his time well, the Lord had a different plan. God had already put it in his heart, and then so then it's up to him when the Lord moves like that pillar of fire or that cloud by day, when the Lord started moving. And let me tell you, every detail of that move that happened for Pastor Jeff and Linda, it was just, it happened like this. And things were happening very quickly. And they, they were happening, seem, I mean, just effortlessly. 
God was raising up believers on the other end down there, searching out this, and they, they just did it. They just wanted to help. And next thing you know, they've landed in a house, and they go down there, and they're buying a house. And next thing you know, they're, well, we, we probably should move in now. Uh, and things happen very quickly. Things happen very quickly. So God knows what he's doing. He knows he's always on time. When he says it's, you've been long enough at this mountain, that's exactly what it was for Pastor Jeff and Linda. And also, it was the same the same thing was true for Kathy and I. What you've been doing, you've been doing long enough. It's time to move you into a different place. We didn't know it at the time. And you never know when God is preparing you, do you? You never really know. It just seems like the old grind. It's just one day after another, you're just doing it. All the while, God is preparing your heart. You're not even aware of it. The difficulties, the struggles, the days that are good, the days that aren't so good. Every little nuance of life starts to wear on you, and it's building character. It's building something that you can't see, but God sees it very clearly. And then he can say, you know, now's the time. Incidentally, this is the very verse that the Lord called me into ministry back in 2003. I was sitting right over here, right where um, Sarah was sitting. I remember I was sitting right there. And, uh, and Kathy, I don't know if you were here with me or not. She was here, too. And uh, I was working at Xerox at the time, and I was climbing the corporate ladder, doing very well, working on their flagship product. They were sending me all around the, the country to train and do all these things, and I was having a blast and getting paid really well for it. And, and I was leading worship here, had, had been for, since 1995, so I was content just to continue doing that and having a ball, you know. And then... Pastor Jeff and Linda invited Kathy and I out to dinner in 2002. And they took us out to Flaherty's over there on, uh, uh, what, what road is that? Bay Road. And we were there, and they, uh, Pastor Jeff invited me to, to come on staff. You know, and so I thought about it. I didn't, you know, those, so I just, I just thought about it. I said, you know, I'll pray about it. And a year goes by, right? I'm not kidding. A year goes by. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I don't think we could really do that, you know, financially. All these excuses start coming up. And so finally I just wrote it off. I did. I just kind of like, ah, it'll go away, and he probably won't ask again. Well, that, that night, I forget what day. I could actually go and look in our, in our log. I don't think it goes back to 2003, Tom. But, uh, but when, we, when he taught Deuteronomy chapter 1, he read this very verse. And I was sitting right there where Sarah's sitting. And he says, you've been at this mountain long enough. And as soon as he read that verse, the Lord zapped me right between the eyes. I knew right then he was saying, you need to leave now. You need to leave. You've been, you've been at the mountain of Xerox long enough. And that, that encourages me because I wasn't seeking it out. It's not something I really had on my plan. I had a lot of changes in my life. I, I wanted to be a concert classical guitarist from Eastman. I wanted to get my master's degree and, 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 and tour around the world and, and play classical guitar concerts and stuff like that. That was my will. And then God takes me out of that, and then he brings me here. And I'm, we're leading worship and enjoying that. And then he makes another change. And then now he makes another change. And I look back on it now, and it's so wonderful. He said, you dwelt long enough. So verse 7, it says, Turn and take your journey and go to the mountains of the Amorites. And again, this is enemy territory. To all the neighboring places in the plain, in the mountains and in the lowland, in the south and on the sea coast, to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, and as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. 
verse 8, see, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess it. Notice the command. God doesn't command without giving the strength and everything you need to do it. You don't think you can do it. And that's a good thing, because if you thought you could do it, then God couldn't really use you. So you have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, notice, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them and their descendants after them. And I love this because God is now rehashing history now to Moses, and and Moses is giving it to the children of Israel, and he's reminding them of the promises that God had made all the way back to Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis chapter 12. And this is important because these no one has claim to the land of Israel except the Jews. It belongs to God. God gave it to them. It belongs to them. It doesn't belong to anyone else in the world. And by the way, it's about the size of Rhode Island, so it's not like this huge piece of land. It's a very small piece of land, and God says, I give it to these people because I have a plan for these people, and I have a plan way in advance, that far surpasses anything that anyone can imagine. I'm going to do such a wonderful thing there. People are going to scratch their heads. Such a small, insignificant people. Such a small, insignificant piece of land. And I'm going to, the whole world is going to be trembling over that little piece of land on the Temple Mount. I stood up on the Temple Mount in 2005, and I practically vibrated. It was so exciting. We got to go up on the Temple Mount. They don't even let you do that anymore, hardly. But in 2005, we got to go up and stand on the, on, right up there by the Al-Aqsa Mosque and the Dome of the Rock, which I could care less about. But to think of the history that has happened on that Temple Mount, what has happened on that, on that mount of dirt, and what's going to happen in the future overwhelms you. And you're looking out the East Gate, and you're going, I can't believe I'm actually here. <laughs> There's been so much written about this place, about this place. So much blood has been spilled on the very place I'm standing. It's just overwhelming. It's, it's so exciting. If you get a chance to go to Israel, go to Israel. Do whatever you got to do. You would love it. But notice, so now Moses has to tell them, this land belongs to you guys. These young kids, this belongs to you. Your fathers, your forefathers blew it. They made some terrible mistakes, but this is now for you. And he, he tells them, This is the promise that was made to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 7, it says, Now the Lord had said to Abraham, while he was still in the Ur of the Chaldees, he wasn't even a Jew. He was a Gentile in the Ur of the Chaldees, in what you and I would call Iraq. He lived over there. He was a Gentile. And he comes out and he says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord said, spoken to him, and Lot went with him, his nephew. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And then Abraham, or Abram took Sarah, Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan, the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Verse 6, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree at Moreh. See, none of these places, we know where they're, where they're at. Some, you know, the terebinth tree at Moreh. I mean, you go there today, where's the terebinth tree? Well, it died you know, 2,600 years ago, or you know, 3,000 years ago, and it's no longer there, but it meant something at that day. 
So Abraham passed there, and the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and says, and here it is, here's the promise, to your descendants I will give this land. You are Abraham. You were born from the line of Shem. And through your line, from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, through Moses, or, you know, through Levi to Moses, through, through, through Judah to David to Jesus Christ, they were all in the line of Shem. That's why we call them Shemitic or Semitic, because they came from the line of Shem. That land belongs to you. And there he built an altar for the Lord who had appeared to him. And then later on in Isaac, in Genesis chapter 26, God makes sure that Isaac knew. All along, he's reminding and it's important. Remember. <laughs> you have to remember, like that quote we said, you have to remember where you're going. Remember where you've been from so you have a clear vision of where you're going. If you don't have any idea of where you've come from, your, your future is going to be shaky. But when you know your background, you know where you came from, boy, does it give clarity to where you're going. And that's what God is doing. In Genesis chapter 26, it says in verse 1, we're just going to read the first five verses. There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abram, Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. And then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land, and, it will be, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I give all these lands. Again, another promise to, now to, to Isaac. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And that is true. They will be blessed. One day when, all the, when CNN is gone and Washington Post and all those liberal stuff is gone, they're going to be a blessing. Hmm. It's going to be a blessing. On this earth, for a thousand years, it's going to be a blessing. It's not going to be utopia, but it is going to be a blessing. And then ultimately, at the end of the thousand years, a new heaven and a new earth will be created. This one will dissolve, and we will be in, his, in a new heaven and a new earth forever with him. So because Abraham, notice, he obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, and my statutes, and my laws. Not perfectly, because no one was perfect. And then finally, in Genesis chapter 28, he reiterates the same promise. This land that I'm about to take you in. This land, Jacob. So he said it to Abraham. He said it to Isaac. Now he's going to reiterate it to Jacob. In Genesis 28, beginning in verse 12, he says, Then he dreamed. Remember the, the Jacob's ladder that we read about. And behold, a ladder was set up on earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there were angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of your father, Abraham, and of the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. And I love that. And then finally, now through Jacob, Jacob has 12 sons. One of those sons is Levi. Levi gives birth through uh, ultimately, he, he gives birth through uh, a, a succession to Moses. So now, the promise is being shared with Moses in Exodus chapter 33. It says this in verse 1, Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it, and I will send my angel before you, 
and I will drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite and the Hittite. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio or sanctuary messages in MP3 format, free of charge, from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcasts. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until this same time tomorrow, This has been Truth in Christ.